Well, uh, another week and another episode of Chatting Average, where seemingly it appears I'm by myself once again. So, guess hello. Oh God. Hello. Bobby, who let you in here? Great question. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is! The Atlanta Braves are world champions! Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast, presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Pam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're all in big, big trouble. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Mr. Cam Matthews, joined once again this week, filling in for Alex, Mr. B.A. Bobbles himself, Bobby Anthony. Bobby! What's going on, my man? Not much. What's happening? Good to be back. Seems like uh, the, the appearance is more frequent. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like I did hey. good or something. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, you, you did a, you did a, you had a quality start uh, uh, on the I'm show. How, how about that? Put that in the stat book, folks. Quality well, start. Well, at least we saw a quality start on a Sunday, in yeah. some form or fashion today. Anyway, mm. <clears throat> we'll get into that later. Bobby, my man, we are coming off the the All Star Week, which is always a, a good time. You know, on last week's episode, I gave. A bit of a quick preview of the home run derby and those festivities and everything. So, uh, so did you happen to sit down this week and watch the derby or the All Star game? I watched uh, a good bit of the derby. Yeah, um, it was good. I, I actually really, it's a weird thing. Normally, the derby is my favorite part. I enjoyed the game more than the derby this time. Really? That's interesting. I don't know. I just really liked the. Normally, you know, I'm not a big fan of interviewing the players during the stuff, but I really, I, I, the players I felt were more uh, ready to receive that in a exhibition game type format. And so the um, Manoa stuff was cool and Garrett Cole and Max Freed basically gawking over Shohei was pretty fun to listen to as well. Yeah, I, I will say that that was, I, have they, have they done that before? Like mic'd up the pitchers in the I, All-Star game? I don't know. I mean, I don't know, honestly. I really – normally I don't even watch it because it's, it's it's hard to watch when I know that nobody really cares. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That, I don't know. I mean, you're not really getting like – you know, you don't really get the best – you don't get what got them there, right? Like they're not locked in and they're not really like, you know – max effort or they don't walk up with an approach and the pitchers are just really like kind of just i i feel like most of the pitchers are just out there going through the motions kind of deal unless you're out you know manoa who was out there like trash talking while he was out there that was great yeah he was that 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 probably was one of the highlights of the game his inning um but yeah going through the motions i i, I will, i'll agree with that because if you remember in the first inning when shohei got picked off at first yeah, <laughs> and they and they showed the replay, and he just like the most nonchalant dive back in, like oh, he's probably yeah. over there, like dude, what the hell are you picking me off for? Like what are we like? <laughs> Chill out, Kershaw. What are Relax, you doing? Relax, bro. Like dang, <laughs> it's not that serious. 
But yeah, no, I'd, I'll agree with that. Like in years past, uh, the home run derby was definitely the event I looked more forward to than the all-star game. But yeah, for some reason this year, I actually watched all of the all-star game, which I never really do. I might watch like the first four or five innings. And then by then I'm like, okay, uh, the, you know, the luster has wore off time to time to pack it up and head to bed. But now I stayed up and uh, watched the, watched the national league lose. Thanks to uh, Tony Gonsolin. Anyway. Thanks, <clears throat> Oh, all right, so let's do a little chronological thing here. The Derby. Okay. Who threw Schwarber's round? Schwarber or the pitcher? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so the, the funniest thing though, to me <laughs> was them cutting back to Pujols and the look on his face when he realized he had to go back up there. Dude, I'm sure he was like, are you serious? Like, I thought this was just like a cool tip of the cap and I get to walk off. No, you're going to make me do this? Like, they, they had already done the, you know, the gather round, the, you know, hip, hip, hooray thing with Pujols, figuring that eh, he only hit 13, what was it, 13 homers in his yeah. first go. Like, eh, that's probably it for the old man. Yeah. And then Schwarber just goes up there and lays a dud. Did you see the video, though, Schwarber, like, Two of the, like, the one that Pujols hit to tie technically was after the zeros, but then they show uh, Schwarber hit, like, two more that somehow didn't get counted. It was, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, you know. It, I mean, who it cares, may- really? But it's just funny to me that, like, you threw him in there and then, you know, you, I don't know. What, what was really the point of getting him to the next round if you weren't going to just fix it the whole way? <laughs> Uh, right, right, exactly. Um, I'll say this too that that my that my biggest takeaway I feel like from the home run derby is Julio Rodriguez is going to be a star, dude. Gonna be? Well, to to the to the big baseball fan now, yeah, yeah I know we, what we you know mean. nationally yeah. he's well. I don't know. That might have been the coming out party. Thirty one. Yeah. Was it? 31 <laughs> yeah. Points? Something like that. Something ridiculous. Yes. But I mean, you're t- you're you're talking about a guy, and I think I, I think I might have said it on the solo show last week that, you know, this is the exact kind of guy that the Mariners have needed for a long time. Like they have not had that young star power type player, really since um, since King Felix. Like, yeah, like you, somebody you know, they, that you go to the bar park for. Like, like I bought this ticket because I want to see him play. Exactly. And so for him to go out there, you know, with like, what, 60 games under his belt at this point, you know, 60, 70 something games under his belt at this point. And to go out there and have the showing that he did, I think really shows that, you know, A, kid's going to be a star and B, hopefully Seattle's got something brewing out there. Yeah, I mean, they're fun. Yeah, I mean, they're they're fun. He's fun, man. He's just like. He's got that smile. He's got the eyes. Like, he just looks like he's having a great time all the time. So he's going to be really fun to watch Bud into a superstar really soon. Absolutely. And then my other takeaway from the Derby, did you happen to catch one of the questions that Juan Soto was asked after he had won the thing? No. He he was asked something about, like, something regarding the, the negotiations with the Nationals. Like, very out of place and very just odd, which seems to be a theme this week. Uh-huh. Because earlier yeah. that day, you had the very odd um, interview with Aaron Judge, where yeah. the... 
Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's turf build a rapid grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down, okay. Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. The interviewer, who was it, Marley Rivera? Yeah, I I think so. Because she was like, you know, not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask you this on live television. (laughs) (laughs) There's a 10-year-old in New York who's a huge Aaron Judge fan, and he wants to know, are you coming back to the Yankees? Like, what kind of question is that? Yeah, she thought all that fluff and stuff she put around it would make it sound better. But it's like, no, you you just you asked him if he was re-signing with the Yankees on live television or not. So what what is it what is a worse question? Okay, asking Aaron Judge if he's going to re-sign with the Yankees on live television, or asking Nick Castellanos <laughs> if he heard the booing, <laughs> because that was another galaxy brain oh, question. God, man, I mean, and the best part was like Nick could have went a lot of ways, and I think he proved his point to the guy, which is why the guy got or the reporter, which is why he got so you know, he got defensive and a little aggressive, honestly. But, I mean, how much better do you want him to handle it? Like, no, nah, man, I lost my hearing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I heard him. What do you think? Like, you think I like it? You think I was turning around like, yeah, loud? Like, no, dude, I heard it. Yes, I know I suck. Like, ask me something that's productive or that I can actually answer. Right, right. And and what got me, though, was especially today seeing so many other baseball journalists, like, coming to that guy's defense for the question that he asked. And – I just I don't see how you defend that question. It is just a bad question. I don't know. My thing is, uh, and I know we're getting a little bit sideways, but whatever. Who cares? I mean, the thing, if he answered that the way you wanted him to answer it, who does that help? Right. As a report, like as a writer, reporter or whatever, you're asking a question for the answer. And so when he thought of that question he had to think of an answer that he was looking for no part of that answer would have been good for anyone so if you're just going to ask him hey man you're going through a lot right now you're not really playing well like what's your mentality just ask him instead of hey did you hear the fans booing you yeah (laughs) freaking heard him bro i got ears yeah uh, it it, it's very frustrating and i I feel like it's something that maybe the tide is starting to turn on a little bit that a lot of players seem to be getting away from the quote-unquote baseball speak answers yeah which i'm happy to see like i was i was i I laughed at castellanos's answer (laughs) because like thankfully he did not give like a baseball player answer of oh well you know those philadelphia fans they're a passionate bunch and you know baseball and they want they they just they love they love baseball and they want to see success like no he 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 answered brutally that it was a bad question which it was but i think we're you know we're starting to see more and more guys give completely honest answers to questions yeah I i don't know and i mean like in his case i understand he was trying to get an answer on his, basically, you know, his mentality through the struggles and how it felt to kind of be out there and hear booze because I doubt he's heard them before. And right. so, but there are ways to, you can, there's just sometimes where 
dancing around the question isn't respectful, it's annoying. And I think in that moment, it's a lot more respectful to just ask him. And then he can answer you like, well, you know, yeah, I know I'm struggling. I'm working. It's baseball. It happens. And hopefully I can break out of it soon or something like that. Whereas you just asked him, did he hear something like, I don't know, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's around, does it make a sound? Like, what do you want him to what do you want him to say? Right. Right. Wasn't it wasn't it like last season or sometime where the Braves had won a game and in the post game like. Dave O'Brien asked Snicker like a really just irrelevant question to the game. Yeah, he itself. asked him like they won the game and he asked him something about like one of the bullpen moves and he's like, what? what yeah, yeah. Okay, that that's yeah. what it was. It was something about the bullpen and like. Snicker yeah, I did like, that. I don't. I mean, what what do you mean? What, yeah, <laughs> we, we won. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like that's what I'm. I guess I'm just saying like I understand where the Philly guy is kind of like he's trying to get to a certain point. He just did it the wrong way, whereas, you know, during All-Star Weekend, you're asking Judge about contract situation that he's already said he's not going to talk about, and you did it on laptop. Like, that was a conscious effort to get a soundbite. Right. Well, and not only do you do it on live television, but you prop it underneath the backstory of, like, there is a small child in New York that is a huge Aaron Judge fan. And wants to know if you're coming back to his favorite team or if you're going to break his heart. Like, come on now. Yeah, yeah, don't, 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 I don't know. It's just, yeah, the whole thing, don't Trojan horse the question. Just ask him if you're going to ask him. Right. So Juan Soto wins the home run derby, getting back into uh, all-star break festivities, which brings us into the all-star game on Tuesday night. And, like I said, this was actually the first All-Star game in a long time that I actually watched every minute of. Yeah. Yeah, no, I enjoy, like I said, it was a lot of fun. I mean, from the word go, you had the cool Jackie stuff going on with Denzel. I really liked that. I thought that was neat. Uh, yeah. Like, the that whole, and that's, so here's my thing. You know, we were supposed to have the All-Star game in Atlanta, and it got moved, and I know some people still went. I'm curious there point of view when you go to that game it's much like the super bowl kind of to me like the super bowl in my opinion is made for television right a lot of that all-star game stuff especially like the pre-game festivities it's got a lot of television in it like yeah people there don't get to see a lot of that stuff so i'm curious if they like it when they come home if they watch it which they prefer as far as like a visual thing did they prefer watching it television or was it just like is the experience the only thing you go for and like the game is just kind of like secondary type deal yeah I, I wonder that too like you know complete honestly I've, I've never felt the urge to go to an all-star game like that's never been something I've looked at as something I want to attend even when right. it was supposed to be in Atlanta last year Right. Would I, you know, would I want to attend a home run derby? Yeah, absolutely, because yeah. that's just like a, you know, that's just a complete electric factory right. as soon as it begins. But, you know, with an all-star game, for the most part, by the time you hit, like, the seventh or eighth inning and the big-name guys are no longer playing, yeah, you have all-stars out there playing, but it it certainly feels like the momentum dies down a little bit, too, as you get yeah. later in that game. yeah. So when it was supposed to be here, I was going to go as a birthday present to myself. Um, but I mean, I, like I was just, I guess it's more of just like a bucket list. Like, yeah, I went to that one. 
Like, I don't right. really think about the All-Star game as like a man. I can't wait to see X, Y, and Z. I, well, in my case, for that season, I was just like, man, I might actually get to see Mike Trout because they never come to Atlanta, and when they do, something weird happens. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see that point of view, too. You know, just with the classic nature of what the All-Star game is, yeah. you know, and, and the history of it. Yeah, I, I could see that. Just being able to see, you got to see – say being able to say you got to see 18 or 25 whatever the number is you know 30 of the best players in the world at the same time yeah yeah that's a that's a good point that's a good point because i mean not often you're going to get to watch an outfield like you get to see it's just yeah i don't know from the word go though the game was great you know ronnie comes up does ronnie stuff and it looks like the national league is about to be like hey screw your uh little win streak this is going to be different than yeah. wasn't. <laughs> but, of course, you know, the American League finds a way to win. Yeah. Um, Giancarlo Stanton murdered a baseball, and then Byron Buxton comes up and does the same thing. Oh, and, holy, man, that – Stanton's – that was – that was a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I really don't know what more to say about that either, because it's just it's what it's just what he does. You yeah. know, it, well, like I, mean, I think it's, it's the so I know I think we actually uh, sent it in the group chat, the picture of the still that they got of the compression of that baseball. Yeah. Oh, my God. It looked like a golf ball like that thing is not supposed to do that. And, and again, his swing is just what amazes me the most, just how short and compact it is. But there's just a ridiculous amount of power there. Yep. So the AL comes out on top in the Midsummer Classic this year. Again, uh, All-Star Game bringing together some of the best players from all around the league. But, Bobby, speaking of around the league, how about you say we take a quick look at some of the best and worst first halves of baseball this season? Let's do it. Okay, so we have played the first weekend of baseball after the All-Star break. So by technicality, we are in the second half of the season. So now feels like a good time to kind of take a look around the league and see who's hot, who's not, who's overperforming, and maybe who's missing the mark. So, Bobby, looking up and down the standings, what are some of your thoughts on the first half of the season? Man, I don't know. I guess, like, first thing that comes to mind is – the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, that, I mean, I don't even know, like. I'm not even. I don't know what else to really say. It's the Yankees. Like, wow. Their whole season so far has been so impressive. And then I feel like every night for a month it was Yankees win, Yankees win, Yankees win. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing was, I, I, it was like a month ago. There was a stretch they were on where. They were, I don't know, something ridiculous like 20 and 5 in games where they trailed by at least one run at some point or something like that. And like the next best team was five games below 500. Yeah. You know, so this is a team that, yeah, not only like puts a bunch of runs on the board, but is able to come from behind as well. And when you look at their record, they're sitting on a plus 200 run differential, which, which yeah. is the best in the league. That's um, you know, 19 runs ahead of the next best team in that category with being the Dodgers. A little bit of a skid right now, if you want to call it that. They're they're five and five in their last ten. 
Um, so yeah. they've cooled off just a tad over the past couple of weeks. But, like, the Yankees have been darn good this year. Yeah, I mean, they've been extremely dominant. And I know it felt like their pitching was a little more than what they were expecting to get. But, man, I mean, when you're putting up runs the way they put up, I don't know if it really matters who's pitching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think in I think in the preseason show, I predicted the Blue Jays to take the AL East. And they're certainly a team that has underperformed quite a bit this year. Uh, they currently only sit 10 games above 500, but a team that was expected to be better than they were last season. But, heck, they fired their manager already at this point, yeah. 12 and a half games back of first place. Like, you know, it's easy to say the Blue Jays have kind of underperformed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you thought you were going to get more, and for the first, what was it, like two weeks, it really felt like you were going to get that Blue Jays team. Right. Like, especially the way Vladdy started out. Like, you're like, oh, shoot. And, like, they're coming out swinging. And they just, like, all of a sudden you just didn't hear about the Blue Jays anymore. And then, right. And it's, and it's pretty, I'll say this, when your expectations are where theirs are to the point or when you're 10 games over 500, you fire your manager, then that, in my opinion, sends a message to everybody involved. Like, look, the standard is not the standard anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they're they're still a team with a really young core. So, like, I don't think their window is closed by by any means, but certainly some growing pains this season. Um, and speaking I want to say though, one more thing, though, real quick. Underperforming. The Angels, like, I don't know, I mean, they're so bad. Yeah, the Angels really are not good. And it's funny because there was a point, I think if you even, like, went on Twitter real quick, you know, MLB on Fox shared something, like, you know, title towns, and it was the Dodgers and Angels led their division, and the Mets and the Yankees led their division, and man that feels like a lifetime ago yeah it does and you know they they they, likewise they fire their manager earlier in the season and they've only seemed to have gotten worse since doing that (laughs) Uh, anyway uh orioles are a fun story this year hovering around 500 uh you know put themselves in contention for a wild card spot which yeah really that's around Move yeah. some bleachers, and all of a sudden you can play 500 baseball. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and then I think, you know, to finish out the American League, we kind of have to talk about just the pure absurdity of the AL Central. As I was whole. literally looking at that as you were, <laughs> like, saying pure absurdity. I'm like, this has got to be where he's going. <laughs> so, yeah, so you had the Minnesota Twins, who I don't think – this was expected really to be the White Sox division, and it could be because they're in third place, only four they got games a back. That was never mind. Okay, yeah. Well, he, he's next. A, <laughs> if, a, if, a manager <laughs> that didn't have a death certificate already there. Hey, he died three years ago, and nobody told him. But he's a Hall of Fame baseball guy. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, underperforming Chicago White Sox, the Twins and Guardians overperforming. Yeah, I feel I mean, like. It felt like the Twins were kind of like, all right, we're going to try this one more time. Like, you know, we're keeping Byron. We, we're going to just try one more time. We, we signed Carlos here, Correa like, for some Cleveland's reason. like, God, they're over here like, yard sale on Saturday, swing on by, get what you need. We have Jose Ramirez. <laughs> 
but I mean, it's just crazy that you're, you know, I'm, I was sitting there the other day and I'm like, man, the White Sox are so bad. And I'm looking at their four games back. <laughs> it feels like the East from last year, right? Like, yeah, just so nobody's really ran away with it. So there's three teams right there that they've got a week to decide whether we're pushing chips in or if we're bowing out. Right. It's going to be interesting. And, and, and you know, in terms of that, um, you know, I've seen some speculation about, like, the Orioles maybe moving Trey Mancini or something like that in the deadline. I think that's a horrible decision. You know, yeah, I, not, not only for your organization, but for your fan base, too. Yeah, I mean, and especially that guy, right? Like, that's just one of those guys, like, that guy kind of means more than baseball to a lot of people. Right, right. And so, and you know, you're from a winning standpoint, you're talking about a team that is finally seeing some form of success after several miserable seasons. And, you know, especially with expanded playoffs this year and you're that close to a wild card spot for you to just pack it up, you know, at the deadline and just sell off again when Mancini could be a vital piece to your success next year. I don't know. That would be a very odd decision to me if the Orioles do sell at this point. Like, sure, they might miss the playoffs, but daggone it, you're close. Yeah, and I often wonder, like, especially when you get right here at the deadline, I've thought about it ever since Alex Santhopoulos was like, no, man, we're not selling. When most of us were kind of like, let's be realistic here, dude. Like, we should probably just try and, you know, the little one years we got, just get a little something-something back. We can buff off Gwinnett and maybe use that stuff next year. But and he decided, no, we're going to push it in and we're going to go all in, and it worked. Right. So I wonder how many of these GMs are sitting in their office right now. Like, there are two guys right over here that I think if we could scoop them both, we could maybe catch lightning in a bottle real quick the same yeah. way Atlanta did. Because, I mean, you've got, the like I said, the White Sox are right there where Atlanta was last year. Under 500 right here, coming to the deadline, not that far out of the division. Like, are you willing to try and go get it, or are you just going to be like, yeah, we're going to stand pat, or we're selling off, we're good. Right, right, exactly. And then, I, you know, I think the, the Tigers have been a disappointment this year, too, because I, I truly expected them to be better than they have been. But, I don't know, there's still a lot of young talent there that I think they could – make some moves in the coming years, but obviously not this season. Yeah, definitely not now. All right, so moving over to the National League, uh, we've got a couple of other tight races in the NL East and NL Central. So, Bobby, what's kind of some of your thoughts on the NL? I mean, overperforming, I'm not going to say the Mets are overperforming. I think that we all thought they would be good. I did not think they would be this good. Uh, it's They give you a little throwback kind of ball right like they it's like you play it's so it's death by a thousand cuts it's like nobody right. the ball hard today like what are we doing and you look up and like i drawn off of when we played him you look up it's the fourth inning and max freed's thrown like 88 pitches and you're like dude what is happening right they just yeah. put the ball in play they move runners over it's like a little bit i mean it's buck show walter right like that kind of baseball Right, right. And I think a lot of what I think part of what it comes down to is that they they had the fortune of getting off to a better start than Atlanta did. Yeah. And like that's not a slight to them, that's not an excuse for us, but you know, really when you look at it, they had a much better first couple of months 
than the Braves did. And so that's why the Braves have had to play from behind, so to yeah. speak. I was um, looking yeah. at it today and, uh, you know, all the pictures we, you know, we got back to half a game earlier and it was like, oh yeah, we're back. And you go back to when it was 10 and a half games and they were 17 games over 500 when we were 10 and a half, when the Braves were 10 and a half back. And there's still 21, 21 games over. I think there were 34 and 17 at the time. And so it's not necessarily that they've like regressed. It's just that they've played you know, a little bit better than 500 baseball for a month. And that happens. But when you get off to such a great start, you afford yourself that that grace period, whereas Atlanta got off to a terrible start, had to win 14 in a row, and then still play extremely good baseball to even get to where we're at now. But, yeah, yeah. the Mets, to me, are my thing for overperforming, just because I knew they would be good, but I didn't know they would be quite this good. And then moving into kind of looking around at possibly the worst division in all of baseball, as it has been for several years now, the NL Central. Yeah, this, I don't know. I mean, when nobody (laughs) tries to win it, does it, I mean, nobody cares if they win either Central Division. All the teams in the Central Divisions are just like, yeah, you can take pretty much whoever you want to from us. Nobody else is trying to win either, so we're just going right. to trot our best nine and see what happens. Maybe it's just like that Midwest mentality of, oh, sorry, didn't mean to try to win the division there. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I uh, don't know. I, I agree. The and Cardinals I, have had some injuries, so I understand that. You know, Flaherty basically hasn't played. Right. Uh, I know, well, Dylan Carlson pretty much stole the center field job from Bader, but he's been hurt also. So, I mean, they've had some problems, but, you know, the Cubs – weren't trying to win the Reds. I You don't know if they were. You can never tell when they do try. They don't win. When they don't try, they do win. It's very confusing. Yeah, and then you know, the Pirates are the Pirates at this point. And then the Brewers, again, are just and, – and I, I expressed my frustration at the beginning of the year about the Brewers and that, you know, they have some great pieces there, but they are just a team that refuses to invest in itself. Yeah. You know, a small market team that could, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers really are a small market team that could be America's sweetheart. Yeah. If they actually tried to go for it. But it's like the Brewers have just become complacent with, hey, we'll win the division. We'll make it to the NLDS. And, you know, by golly, that's good enough for us because the winter is coming and it's cold time to, you know, shutter up the houses. Like, (laughs) no. Go yeah, now, for I mean, you're it. A couple, you're talking their pitching staff and their bullpen. You're a couple pieces away from really being able to go get it. Exactly. You know, can you imagine, like, if if the Brewers had gone for a Carlos Correa? Well, I mean, Cam, let's, you know, like, let's not be crazy. The Atlanta Braves are one Freddie Freeman bomb off Josh Hader from being at home, and the Brewers are playing the Dodgers. That's, I mean, yeah, they are. They are. They they piggyback off. None of that. those games were blowouts. They were all excruciatingly fifteen inning. Nobody can score a run. It was nothing to nothing for three weeks in that right. one game. Right. So, yeah, wasn't I mean, the, couple, wasn't yeah, the final was, score of game one like one to nothing, or yeah. like two to one, or something like yeah, that? It was like unbelievably. Yeah, they just if they would get a little offense, they've got such good pitching, and that's only that's why they're where they are every year is their pitching staff and stuff. It's just when they do try and go get a guy, a Yelich, it just feels like he falls off the face of the earth. 
speaking of falling off the face of the earth, the Washington Nationals this season currently sitting 33 games below 500. Okay, so we knew they were going to be bad, but boy, did we expect them to actually be this bad? Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude. <laughs> it, it's not fun to watch them play in any way, shape, or form. And poor Juan Soto is out here just like, what do you want me to do? Juan Soto and Josh Bell are My grandpa is hitting behind me. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Let's see. The, the Washington Nationals currently have the worst record in baseball. Yep. To our 27 games back of first place. Have the worst run differential in baseball of negative 162 and are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. I mean, this is just an awful team. Yeah. There's no way to put it, really. There's nothing good to say about them other than the fact that they have... Oh, my God. Uh-oh. What? <laughs> they have a winning record versus the Central. No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> I mean, okay. I don't know. All right. That's awful. Oh. Whatever. That's that's hilarious. Oh, and then, you know, the, I expected a tighter race in the NL West this year, but, you know, it feels like the Dodgers have really just stayed so consistent this season. Good. Yeah, they're, they're just good. Same. They're just and, you know, I'm sitting here, and I'm like, dude, you sound dumb when you're like, yeah, the Yankees are so good. The Astros and the Dodgers are two games back. Yeah, yeah, that is fair. Like, there has been a ton of shine on New York, of course. But, you know, slowly but surely, the Dodgers and the Astros have creeped up behind. I feel like... Yeah, I'm looking right here, and they've got the Dodgers 18-2 and two in their last 20. Yeah. I... You know, it's so funny. I feel like, talking about the Astros, that the AL West is, like, the quietest division in all of baseball and has been for years. In that year in, year out, since, like, 2015, 2016. Since the arrival of the Astros. Yeah, since 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 the Astros really came back into prominence. It's been their division, and nobody thinks twice about that. And, you know, the Mariners are not going to catch them at this point, I don't think, being 13 games back. You know, but the Mariners could very well make the postseason this year, and I hope they do, and I hope Philadelphia doesn't make it because, ha, 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 I will never stop laughing about that. My one Uh, goal every year is obviously an Atlanta Braves division championship and the Philadelphia Phillies to finish 500. That's right. That's right. It is. What I wake up every day and live Days that end in Y and the Phillies being 500. <laughs> exactly. All the time. Exactly. Um, you know, the Giants have certainly fallen off from where they were last year, which I don't think anybody necessarily expected them to repeat having a 107-win season like they you did know, last year. Saying that, kind of, I, w- I was thinking earlier, the Mets are a lot like the Giants of last year. Like, it just kind of felt like a little bit, everything was a little bit over their head, but they just maintained it. And so you're like, dang, man, they're just this good. Right, and right. And this you year, know, you're like, whoa, yeah, they're just not that good. And I think, you know, I think, too, what a lot of what plays into that, and I, I'm not going to call it luck because that feels like a cop out, but I do feel like there's a lot of, a lot of what, how success happens 
comes from how fortunate a team can be, right? Like how how things can just go the right way. Yeah, I mean the ball's got to bounce one way, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you think back, you think back what was a couple of seasons ago that the Yankees were really expected to be really good, and then they had like some, what was it at one point like ten players on the IL or you know, right? Misfortune like that can take truly good teams out of out of the running. Whereas you know, the Mets have had a lot of things go their way this year. Not that that's a bad thing because it happens to somebody every single season. And like you said, it, it happened to the Giants last year where things so, just I mean, go the way you need them to. You kind of look at their roster, and like I said, I'm not a – I mean, you know, I'm a Braves fan, so I don't know every bit of this up and down. But it kind of goes to, like, what Alex would say after, you know, they won the World Series. It's like, well, I believe in a little bit of roster shakeup to keep everything fresh. And I recognize a lot of these names – as the same names they had last season, obviously other than Jock and you know a couple other guys, but it's like there. I think there just has to be a certain amount of influx of like I want this. You know, you guys had it last year. You guys won 107 games, but not necessarily me type of deal. You know, like hey, I'm new here. Let's go win. And everybody's like, hey, we like this guy. He's got more energy than we do because we were just here. Right. So right. I think that a little bit of that is good, but I know that. Um, a lot of the players, when they would be interviewed about how it was, they really enjoyed the environment in the clubhouse. And I think that is the hardest thing to carry over because one guy leaves or one guy moves or one guy's in a different mood, you know, whatever, whatever. That's just so hard to maintain that environment that a lot of players just enjoy. That's what's so special about Atlanta, in my opinion. No, no, I completely agree with that. And you know, going back to the Giants, you're also talking about a team, too, that on average was not exactly young last season. Right. And because you didn't necessarily shake that roster up, they're all now a year older. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know. I mean, a year can do a lot of stuff. It, indeed, it can. And it's 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 interesting, though, right? Like, because – I don't know. You kind of felt like a hundred. They had to play a hundred and sixty-two, right? You know, like the most divisions within the last week are wrapped up, or you know, all but wrapped up until you get to clinch day, and you just kind of count down the days. They played a hundred and sixty-two with the pedal to the floor every day, and I don't know. I just feel like eventually you get like you, then, especially when you go and lay an egg against the Dodgers who you just beat over 162. That's got to be a lot mentally like, dude, we literally did the best we could and it still wasn't enough. Well, I mean, think about the 2001 Seattle Mariners, right? Like the very last time they ever made the postseason, they set the single season wins record and then get bounced in the first round. Yep. And I'm not saying that that's the reason why they've never returned to the postseason, but Boy, that puts a hurting on a franchise when something like that happens. Right. So, I don't know. It, it's it's certainly been an interesting first half of the season, even though you know technically over eighty one games. But there's, I think there's a lot of still interesting races to to keep an eye on, um, both in the American League and in the National League. So, yeah, give me something be... to yell at you on Twitter about. Who me? 
after 162, what's something I'm going to get to be like, Cam, you're dumb. What, what did you just tell me? <laughs> Ooh. I mean, I'm I'm locking in on the Mariners making the postseason. Like that is, okay. I, I I need I need postseason baseball in Seattle once yeah. again. See, I really thought I was going to be able to like, all right, we're in this together because I'm going to Orioles. Ooh, I mean that you know, they're, ride the they're, train, baby. Keep keep. They're they're right there. I mean, they really are. They're they're only three and a half back of a wild card spot right now. And, you know, Boston is continuing to plummet. Cleveland and Chicago are going to cannibalize each other at some point. You know, Tampa, I feel like, is one pitching injury away from falling off the face of the earth. Talk about another team that is, like, underperforming. Tampa. It was bound to happen. The way they the way they play – not the way they play. The way they manage that baseball team, something like this was bound to happen, where it's just finally – it's not all as simple as plug it in the computer and this is the guy we need. Right. Yeah. I, I, I agreed. Agreed. So yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't count out Baltimore making it into the postseason. They're they're right there. It's gonna be certainly gonna be interesting down the stretch. Well, Bobby, that's enough about talking about uh, about all the other teams around the league. Why don't we? Pull out our magnifying glass and take a quick look at the Braves' weekend against the Angels. Let's do it. Well, coming off of a quick break through the All-Star Week, the Atlanta Braves returned home on Friday night to begin a three-game series against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, California. <laughs> that's, that's their that's their name now, right? Is that all of it? I think so. Okay, I don't know. They keep adding and taking away. I get confused. I, I don't. I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, game one, which Bobby you were in attendance for, saw Shohei Otani start against the Braves. So why don't you kind of walk us through your weekend? Because you got to see two out of three games against the Angels. Yeah, man. Friday night was awesome. Obviously, really excited. Could see a player that the game will remember for as long as. I mean, we still talk about Babe Ruth, right? Right. You know we're. Shohei's not going anywhere in the world of baseball history. Uh, I was really excited to see him. Man, that place was packed. Uh, <laughs> he is a draw. Um, the Braves are a draw, but there was a whole lot of Angels jerseys in that place. A ton of just like his old jerseys, like before he came over. I mean, I saw like two or three different ones. It was Really cool walking over uh, to see just how impactful he is on baseball, just in general. I mean, it was really impressive. And then he goes out and shoves for six innings. I thought for I think in like the fourth inning, and thrown six pitches. <laughs> yeah. <Dude. laughs> I mean, he had a crazy pitch count. He's working in and out. It really didn't matter who was up there. He had the same approach, and that was pretty much I'm better than you. Try and hit it. Only one guy could do that at to that point. And that was Austin's double. Right. So talking about you know what a draw Shohei is, I, I was hearing on the radio broadcast Joe Simpson talk about just how many Japanese media members came on the flight to this game and were in in the newsroom at the Man, stadium. I can like, believe it. You know just just the 
following that this guy has within baseball. And to think that he's playing on the same team as a guy who could potentially go down as the greatest player ever. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, actually where I was sitting, I was sitting beside a Asian couple and I'm talking anytime. If he was on the mound, this guy had his phone out. He recorded every pitch when he came up to bat. He recorded every pitch. I mean, they're just like, he's a phenomenon. Yeah. And I really hope that we don't take this for granted, which I know we already are because he should be the MVP every year. They need to make a new award so that they can give the MVP to somebody else. And we can just still recognize how great Shohei is because like we were talking about earlier with the all-star game, when you're hearing Garrett Cole and Max Freed tell you how hard it was to hit and pitch. And this guy does it every time he hits every day. Garrett Cole's over here. Like, I don't know how he recovers. And Max is like, man, the innings I'd get hung out there. Like I could feel it that, when I would when I'd get hung out on base, I'd feel it the next inning like that. I just don't have that same amount of, you know, I'd, I couldn't catch my breath. I couldn't get a water. Shohei is doing that every I'm not I don't know if he's pitching every five days because I know a couple of years last year he wasn't necessarily every five. But I mean, every week he's going out there and he's doing that same thing. I mean, he, he was leading off for the Angels on Friday night and starting. Yeah, you know, no, it's just, just such a cool image. I got a picture, um, you know, on the big board in center field. It's like they've got the lineups and then they've got the starting right. pitchers. And I made sure to take one of that because he's leading off right beside his picture saying that he's pitching tonight. Right. Yeah. You, you know, you're just you're not going to see that. No. <laughs> yeah, you're just not. Um, but likewise, uh, uh, his opponent that night across the uh, across the diamond and on the mound was Charlie Morton uh, taking the first game after the All-Star break. And Charlie looked like classic Charlie in this one, going six innings pitch, allowing only two hits, no runs, three walks and seven strikeouts, uh, maxing out at 105 pitches uh, through six innings. You know, it, it was... We knew coming into this game that the Angels' big struggle, unlike previous years where it was their pitching, was actually their offense this year. They just have an anemic offense this season for whatever reason. But Charlie was able to to keep the game uh, under control because, likewise, Shohei was absolutely dominant on the mound through six innings, like you mentioned. Yeah, Charlie really only got into trouble with uh, hit-by-pitch. Right. Which is really, for whatever reason, become a theme this season. I don't remember yeah, that as much it, last year. I, I mean, I don't know. I could just not remember because of how well everything ended. So I only remember the good things. But I really don't remember him hitting so many guys, especially at the back foot. Yeah, exactly. So Shohei cruises through his first six innings. I think the Braves maybe had a couple of hits of their own, maybe one hit. It was uh, one hit. It was Austin's uh, double. Because right. I remember looking up, it was Austin's double. It was the only hit they had. And they came out for the seventh. And I was just up there like, all right, Dan's, we start a mess somehow. And he drew a walk. Yeah. So it, maybe what this comes down to, and I get it because. Shohei at the end of the night still only had 92 pitches so you know as a coach you're probably looking at pitch count and thinking all right maybe you know he can keep going 
But then in the bottom of the seventh inning, the Braves offense suddenly comes to life after a leadoff walk by Dansby. Matt Olson hits a moonshot <laughs> to right field. Man, hold on. That was so I've been to a few Braves games. I've seen some pretty cool home runs. The coolest one will always be I got to see Eddie hit the one in the NLCS uh, against the Dodgers in game six. But that one was Matt Olson's ball was in the air for I think on the screen it was like actually 6.7 seconds or something. It felt like 30 and it was so funny because the ball's in the air and I was actually sitting on the third base side. So I was, I'm thinking it's going to tail foul because it just looked fairly close from where right. we were. And, but the crowd, it's just like, you could hear them kind of like, everybody's like, Oh, and then the just lid pops off when they can see it go fair. It was awesome. So it, it, they say it traveled 355 feet, but I'm almost certain it traveled uh, 355 feet into the air as well, because that thing <laughs> was just an absolute skyscraper. Yeah. Um. So th- that's how the Braves ca- uh, pop off the scoring, taking a two to nothing lead. Otani stays on the mound, and our Eddie Rosario single scores Austin Riley, making it three to nothing. And then Orlando Arcia joins the home run party by hitting a home run to left center, scoring Darno and Rosario, and. Suddenly the Braves are up six to nothing. Yeah. On Shohei Otani. I mean, obviously, you know that was the nail in the coffin. But I'm gonna in in Shohei's defense, and I'll stop defending a guy that doesn't play for my team. That dude, <laughs> literally every inning, man, I, I it felt like every inning he was the guy up there with two outs, and he's trying to extend the inning and he can't, and then. He's running right back down there, grabbing a glove, and running out there on the mound. And I just think you can only do that for so long before eventually it starts to take something away from what you're doing. You know, and he was dealing. Like, he was cruising. There's no need to – I would have never even if, – if he's a brave and Snitker doesn't let him go back out for the seventh, we're asking for his head on a spike. Right, right. You know, it, it, it's yeah, it's definitely damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Um, because and that, their bullpen that, is so bad. Where, who are you going to go to? Right. So that that is the end of the night for Shohei. He finishes the evening at six and the third innings pitched, allowing six earned runs, eleven strikeouts, and only one walk. Uh, but that one walk looms large, as that's how the Braves kicked off the bottom of the seventh inning. They're able to scratch across another run as Michael Harris. Uh, is able to score on a wild pitch. And then uh, Marcelo Zuna enters the eighth inning with a home run to left center, extending the lead eight to one. Uh, the Angels are able to scratch across a run on a solo homer in the top of the ninth, but nothing else going there. Braves take game one kind of easily in the final third of the game, although it was tight through the first six innings. Eight to one is your final score. Braves take game one. It was a crazy environment for the first, like it felt like a, I mean, it was really intense, and then all of a sudden we scored seven runs, and it was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> right, right. No, I, and I think, you know, for us watching and listening at home, it was very much the same thing where, you know, you're kind of on pins and needles through the first few innings. It's a tight game. You can feel the pressure of it, and then suddenly you pop off seven runs in a single inning, or it's like, okay, we're good. Like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> ball game. That that right. work. Yeah, until Will Smith came in, and it's like, oh man, this thing ain't over yet. Hold on, folks. He just 
he just can't help himself but to give up a run, right? I'm convinced he just, I mean, it's got to be pressure-packed, adrenaline on a thousand for him to really be like, all right, like, now I feel good. Yeah. Or part of me wonders if, like, somehow he's just, the he's playing the long con every season and it's just rope-a-dope. <laughs> Where, like, I'm going to be utter shit throughout the regular season, but boy, when that postseason comes, they will never know. <laughs> you will finally see me in my final form. enough to stay here. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like that Superman monologue where he talks about all this time I've been holding back. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. We go into Saturday night where Kyle Wright, ace of the Atlanta Braves, arguably, uh, takes the mound to go up against uh, one Sandoval, starting pitcher. I joked that it was Pablo Sandoval because he is listed as P. Sandoval, but that's not right. Uh, the Braves able to jump out early in this one, uh, putting two across the board in the first and three more in the third, jumping out to a quick five to no- or five to nothing lead. Uh, Kurt Suzuki. Old uh, former Brave, happy to see him back at back at Truist Park, rather, uh, had is able to play to run in the top of the fourth inning, making it five to one. But then Braves turn it on again. Austin Riley with an absolute moonshot in the bottom of the fourth inning, absolutely cranks one uh, to left field after a uh, very fortunate check swing. Yeah. Call. So tell me about that, because I'm standing there at check swing, you know. That evening, I'm on the first base side, so obviously I can't tell. I know the guy three rows down in front of me was, like, not even close because you know, he's got eagle eyes. So. I, 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 you know, obviously, I'm not watching, and they're not going to show a replay. So was it no. was it for sure we got lucky, or what's the deal? Uh, I, I would lean to the side of we got lucky on that one because on the very next pitch, Austin Riley knocks the cover off of one to put two more runs on the board, making it seven to one. Uh, so and yeah, then got... the fun happened. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like again, I'm at the game. Who uh, who hit who hit the Shohei. Yeah, Shohei, yeah, Shohei hits, hits an one at 193 laser. miles an hour that would have took down the wall if it hit it. Um, uh, he and all of a sudden almost we're killed three people with that. Yeah. Hit. <laughs> like that was one of those ones that if I see it coming, I'm getting out of the way, dude. Yeah, there's like no I, I'm not trying to catch that yeah. one. It was an absolute laser. I don't remember the right. exact number, but I think it was like 110, 112 something just unbelievable and i'm convinced that if that would have hit the bricks one of them would have like fallen out it might have so shohei hits this homer that makes the score seven to two so the angels now trail by five instead of six and all of a sudden i'm sitting there in my seat (laughs) tyler's sitting beside me and everybody's just kind of standing around i'm like what are we standing around for and i'm not i'm looking for some issue like you know immediately my brain goes to like someone's run on the field because it just looked weird everybody's like i don't know what to do all of a sudden i look over and phil nevin's cussing somebody out and from where we're sitting i thought he was yelling at kyle wright i'm like what he just gave up a homer what are you yelling at right right and so then i got in the group chat and asked you guys and obviously you know the rest of that part because i don't know (laughs) 
Yeah, so Phil Nevin just dog-cussing the first-base umpire, apparently over the check swing call from the previous inning, because I guess he suddenly looked up and realized his team should only be trailing 5-2 to two instead of 7-2. to two. <laughs> Not that it end up, ended up mattering in the long run. Yeah. But yeah, very, uh, very odd circumstance. And I mean, Phil Nevin was losing it. And uh, the TV may or may not have been a little late on one of their sensors as well. Oh, really? Dang, oh, man, but... I hate it when I miss a hot mic. Oh, boy, they he, he gave him a good one. <laughs> Damn. I mean, just I have to deadpan F-U, like, perfect. Oh, that's beautiful. Good stuff. So, final score, 7-2 to two on the Saturday night game. Braves take the series after the first two games and look for... The sweep on Sunday afternoon as Ian Anderson takes the mound uh, against Detmers for the Angels. And boy, this game was bowling shoe ugly. Yeah. I mean, it it, it was bad. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Uh, Ian gives up five runs in the first inning, then three more in the fourth. And by golly, it's just not great. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I saw a thing on Twitter and... I don't really know all the fip and whip and all that stuff. Um, but I mean, you can, he, a lot of guys get on base, uh, whether it's soft contact or not hits or hits the other guys navigate that stuff. And it's just not the same with him as it has been in, you know, in the last couple of years, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe the ball, something or just with him, maybe the long postseason run, just, he's not right. I don't know, but he's not been good and it definitely did not get better today no it certainly didn't um and and, you know one thing that's really plagued him this year too is him getting into these deep counts where you know everybody just kind of says throw strikes throw strikes which yeah i mean that's something that he has not been able to do this year but man when he is throwing strikes at this point like it's just it's all to contact and it's just it's not working ian's Line today, three innings pitch, seven earned runs, two strikeouts, and three walks. Yeah, we talked about it last time with him. He, it's just like he doesn't have – he can get you to two. He might be an 0-2 count, and then it's just like he doesn't have a put away. Right, right. Unless and, you're and willing goes, to swing it to back. change up, he he just doesn't have a put away, and so now he looks up, it's a 3-2 count because he's throwing you 11 pitches and you foul four off. I mean, it's just – he can't he can't get out of deep counts, which puts him into high pitch count, and he's out in five innings anyways. Yeah, and that you know that just goes back to again the disadvantage of only having two pitches. Um, and plenty of guys have gotten away with only having two pitches in their arsenal, but you've got to be able to work counts more efficiently as well. The thing with them, I don't understand is. I know he throws two pitches, but his curveball is good. Right. And so I, I don't I, really I don't understand. Know. It really, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't have mattered if we had Nolan Ryan out there. It's a Sunday, and the series was ending. The Braves aren't winning these games. You know, they, they've got a plane ride to Philadelphia, you know, this afternoon. Like, yeah. I Something about these series-ending day games that they just like, yeah, we're good. And there, there was something that came out last week, um, and I can't remember like the exact stat on it or, or whatever it was, but it, 
one thing that Atlanta has just not been good about this year is closing out penultimate games in, in series, right? Like they can win the series, but in a clinching game or in a sweeping game, they they have not been good at all. So I I don't know, like I, you know, from a mindset of growing up watching Bobby Cox, I still tend to lean back on the whole win the series mentality, right? Yep. Like win the series, things will flesh themselves out. They'll, you know, come out even in the wash, that sort of thing. But it'd be kind of nice to see some sweeps now and then too, especially well, against teams that you know you probably exactly. should sweep. Exactly. And that's kind of what I'm saying. I like I I don't want to necessarily get greedy and be like, hey, we need to be sweeping everybody because that's not going to happen. But there's no reason we couldn't have today. I I mean, hindsight 2020, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. We scored one run, but it just feels like, especially on a day like today when Ian comes out and it's five runs in the first, it's kind of like, all right, well, we already won the series anyway, so let's just get on the plane. Right. And yeah. in games past, it's just kind of felt like that same vibe. It's like the offense just kind of shows up on Sunday. They don't take the BP, and then they decide they don't want to hit either. Right, yeah. I mean, we were hitless through, what, the first, like, three and a third inning or something like that? Like, we didn't yeah. have our first base hit to the fourth. It was long enough to notice that we hadn't gotten hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And exactly. that's too long and- with the offense we have. <laughs> Yeah, and and it's almost predictable too with this team at times. Like if when the opposing team has a big inning, no matter where it is in the game, it's almost a certainty that the bottom of the frame will go three up, three down. Yeah, like it's just something about that type of inning just lets the air out of the balloon sometimes, uh, which can be frustrating to watch. But again, you take the series, you've moved. uh, You know, coming into Sunday, you're you were half a game back of the Mets. Uh, who lost Friday and Saturday. I believe the Mets have one tonight. I think that game's over, yeah, they if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it out, yep. Yeah, it just finished. So, you know, after the first weekend series, after the All-Star break, you've gone from two and a half back to one and a half back. So you gained one game over a course of a weekend. Yeah, I mean, you keep doing that, and it'll take care of itself. Exactly, exactly. So uh, Braves go two and one on the week. Uh, for this review uh bobby any more thoughts since you were in attendance for the two victories against la nah, i mean really honestly the only thing that other than uh, i got to see shohei otani pitches austin riley is good at baseball yeah austin riley is very good at baseball and is living on another planet right now it it's truly incredible what this dude is doing and you know it's so funny that Coming into Friday night's game, you know, a lot of like the pregame narrative was Austin Riley's been on a hot streak. Let's see how he continues that into the second half of the season here. And, you know, he comes up and base hit in his first at bat. And what was it, Saturday night? Didn't he go like four for five or something ridiculous? I mean, it's just so with him, in my opinion, it's never been a question of will he hit home runs. You knew he was going to – you can see the power. It's there. It's not very hard to look. You check out him, watch him walk away, and you can tell he's going to be able to hit home runs. I mean, if he carries a wagon that size around, he better be able to sit, hit home runs. But the average is where my eyes go every time I look at anything with him, and I know batting average isn't a real number anymore. But I, I was just about to bring up guy, this point. 
when you can when you know this dude is going to be able to hit 35 to 40 home runs and still carry anything over 280 you're like yeah that's incredible and he's on pace to hit well over 35 and he's hovering right around 300 yeah i mean Austin Riley currently again how that batting average is you know the end all be all but you know when you have a guy like Riley who has the second highest batting average on your team just behind Dansby Swanson, who is also having a career year yeah, this season. Right. You know, it, it's so funny. You look up and down this lineup, your the three highest batting averages on this lineup are Swanson, Riley, and Harris. Yep. Just like we all thought. Yeah, just like <laughs> just like we all predicted. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it it's it's incredible the season he's having right now, and yeah. I mean that guy's just he yeah, I mean, dude's he, hot. He keeps if he has one more good week, he's gonna have a one dot OPS, and that's that's MVP stuff. Yeah, uh, he is he's well on his way to making a valid argument for it. So, moving on, uh, the Braves hop on a plane and head up to Philadelphia to begin a three-game series against the Phillies. Game one comes Monday night in Philadelphia, 7.05 p.m. start. Max Freed takes the mound going up against Ranger Suarez. Uh, Max Freed. I I like, uh, dude, I know what uh, Snit did was kind of confusing, right? Like, I thought... Uh, initially, when I saw the Angels announce Shohei Friday, I was like, cool, I'll get to see Shohei Max Freed. But I really liked that Snit was like, no, we're going to skip you because you need those days too because he would have basically been on regular rest. And so I really liked that he let him have that extra few days the same way everybody else got him. Right, you know, especially although he did not, you know, play in the All-Star game, he was there. So he still had the travel time and all the press junket yeah. and that, you know, everything that goes along with that. So, yeah, it wasn't necessarily a break for Max by any means, although he was back home and he seemed pretty happy to, have, you know, been able to spend time with family in the nearby area and that sort of thing. And uh, let's not so, get it twisted either. He necess- In the last couple starts, even the one against Washington, it was kind of like there's something going on that's not quite maxi. So I think giving him a few extra days is only going to help. Well, you know, I think there was that that report that he had strained something in like one of his you know glutes or hamstrings or, or yeah. something, you know. So, yeah, a little extra risk never, never hurt anybody. So that's game one. Game two on Tuesday night, another 7.05 p.m. start. Spencer Strider. The young breakout star takes on the crafty veteran of the Phillies, Aaron Nola, in what could be a high strikeout game as both guys love to rack up K's in their performances. So could be a fun one on Tuesday. Yeah, that'll be really good. Um, I mean, you just want to see Spencer keep racking up good outings. And and like we've talked about on the show before, you know, you never quite know, especially when the Braves play him, what Aaron Nola you're going to get. Yeah, seriously. And with him, it's almost like you kind of got that, like, Charlie Morton, like, man, this it, he might give it to you for four innings, and then in the fifth, for whatever reason, just the wheels fall off, and then he could come back out for the sixth and strike out the side. It's really interesting with him. Right, and, and you know, as with any 
ace pitcher like Aaron Nola, the, the key to beating him is to score early, right? Because he's a guy that, especially this season, gets that much better as the game goes on. Like, I think scoring percent, like scoring stats go down drastically on him this year from like fourth inning beyond. So if you don't put any runs up on him within like the first three frames, you might not get any on him. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking at his last seven starts right here and he's got seven innings, eight innings, seven, seven, seven and two thirds, seven and eight and a third. Yeah. So a big game for Spencer Strider to really step up here. But I mean, you know, sands a couple of starts this season. This kid has just been nothing short of incredible. So it'll be interesting to see how he matches up against the, you know, a bona fide ace in the game, really. Say yeah. what you want about the guy as inconsistent as he can be. You know, Nola is a, a top tier pitcher in the game. So fun matchup there. Game three, the curtain call against Philadelphia uh, for this quick three game set comes on Wednesday at a 12.35 p.m. start businessman special as Charlie Morton takes the mound against Kyle Gibson. Uh, a game between two guys who haven't necessarily have had the greatest seasons this year, um, kind of up and down starts. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out again. Uh, last time Charlie was out on the mound in a day game, didn't go too well against the Mets the other week. So hopefully, uh, hopefully a game underneath the sun this time around is a little more favorable. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hopefully, we're trying to take another sweep in a day game. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. All right. Off day for the Braves on Thursday. So, a quick day of rest as they travel back home to Atlanta for the Arizona Diamondbacks to come into town. Braves looking for some revenge from that Arizona series earlier uh, this season toward the end of May. Kind of their their last horrific series so to speak in their slow start right before they really turned it on with the 14 game winning streak game one comes friday night at 7 20 p.m kyle wright takes the mound against madison bumgarner mm. that's i mean you know how that's gonna go right it's either gonna be we light them up for like four or five in the first two or we're looking up and we don't have a hit into the sixth yeah yeah, and, and that's just because that really, it's mad bum. Like, <laughs> right. And and that seems to be the kind of season that he's having this year, too, where he either has a tremendous start or he's being pulled in the third inning, it seems like. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so we'll uh we'll certainly see how that pans out. Speaking of being pulled in the third inning, Saturday night starter oh. Ian Anderson. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Well played, sir. Okay, well, how about this? Penciled in starter on Saturday night, Ian Anderson, because I'm not exactly convinced you look at his last few performances and you give him another chance out there. Anyway, uh, we'll take on Corbin Martin, another 7.20 p.m. start on Saturday evening, game two. Not sure really what more to say about this one because I'm not convinced Ian Anderson will be the starter. I mean, I'm I I'm not gonna say I know Snit, but Snit has very certain tendencies, and this feels like one of those tendencies that, hey, nothing's different, everything's the same. You're gonna go out there Saturday, just like you would if you had went six shutout today. It's your ball. 
We're going to see how it goes. And Alex is up there like, all right, yeah, he's going one more time because that's the 30th of July, and I've got a decision to make after that game. Right, right. So that, that, so is that game, honestly, I, I could see them saying, all right, this is it. Like, this is – today could have been that one. I don't know because you may not want to wait till the 11th hour, but I could definitely see them saying, all right, this is – we're about to decide what we need if Ian can give us something that looks anywhere near someone of competence, then maybe we can go get X instead of Y because now you have a second need, a right-handed outfielder, because Duvall's now gone for the rest of the year. Yeah, so that, that news coming during uh, during the afternoon here on Sunday. Adam Duvall out for the season uh, with a – was it a torn? Um, I didn't see a diagnosis. I just heard left sprain, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing he's having surgery. Wrist out for the season. That's a big blow, especially for a guy who seemed to be finding it as of late at the plate. Um, and, of course, provides you serviceable defense. So suddenly the Braves looking for a right-handed outfielder. <coughs> Call Miami. <coughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyways. Man, if, if only there was a guy down in Miami that we've had good experiences uh, with before. Yep. Also, it's 11.15 p.m. on it's Sunday good. night. And uh, Brian Reynolds is still not a brave. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting it go. I'm not. No, I see that. I see that. I don't know. I mean, it's just that's unfortunate because you really felt like that was one thing that we didn't need were really any position players. It felt like Robbie Cano was going to be the guy until you got Ozzy back. And, you know, Orlando's been serviceable enough, and he's just going to go back to the regular bench role when Ozzy does make his return. And so you're like, all right, we're pretty much set position player-wise because it really – you know, other than a left-handed bat would have been nice, but we all know that we don't exactly have a lot to give. Yeah, that that's that's the thing about it, you know, and but it goes back to the mantra too of you can't have too much depth. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because this is the final full week before the trade deadline, which comes on Tuesday, August 2nd. Uh, so we've got six games really for the front office to figure out what moves they want to make. Uh, the sixth game this coming week comes next Sunday, July 31st, the final game in a three-game set against Arizona. 1.35 p.m. start. This game appears to be on ESPN+. Plus. At least that's how it's being denoted. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Max Freed on the mound for his second start of the week, this time taking on Tyler Gilbert, uh, who comes into, who will be coming into this contest as it stands right now with an 0-3 record and a 5.34 ERA. So Tyler Gilbert, congratulations on your no-hitter next Sunday. <laughs> anyway. I hate, I hate how I can't even argue with you about it. <laughs> It is bad that like we look at we look at the game we look at game three on all these and we're like, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion, right? But let's just just like I said the last time we talked, just keep winning the games you're supposed to win. And these are games that we should win. So you just win these series, close the book and keep digging. Exactly, exactly. So that wraps up uh, the week that we're looking at ahead. Again, 
next week. Hopefully, we'll have some news to report on on the trade front. Uh, maybe play some fantasy trades for the last time this season as the deadline does approach. So uh, an exciting, a good weekend for the Braves and an exciting week coming up, especially against a division rival in the Phillies. So a good chance to uh, kind of create a little distance between second and third place in the division. So good, a uh, good thing to keep an eye on there. But before we close things out this evening, we do have a voicemail. So let's uh let's queue up the chatting average hotline and hear who we have a message from. What's up, guys? Sam Nair here. Um, I was a Padres fan. I just really wanted to personally say you're welcome for beating the Mets in this series and helping you out. I hope by the time this is done, it's a sweep too. But either way, very happy to help out. So in honor of our favorite Mets fan. Can you guys please give me the best five reasons not to go to orientation? (laughs) (laughs) Cut off at the end there. Okay. So that was, that was Sam near our local Padres correspondent. So yes, Sam, thank you to the San Diego Padres for taking two out of three this weekend and helping the Braves gain a game on the division race. Uh, But he mentioned orientation, which if you're listening to this show on Monday, orientation is happening right now. And that, of course, is with our favorite Mets fan, Mr. Giuseppe. So Sam needs five good reasons to not attend orientation with Giuseppe. Bobby, what you got? Our are overrated. Oh, okay, okay. He's going to kill me for that. (laughs) Dude, Joe's going to be so mad. Well, okay, how about this? Secondly, despite the fact that he's a Mets fan, he's also a Washington Huskies fan. Like, who does that? Why? Uh, Let's see. If you don't go to orientation, you can not have to shower at a truck stop. Hey, but he has loves coupons that he can give out to all of us, okay? Didn't he like, didn't he besmirch Waffle House one time? Or did we like, we have to convince him to go try Waffle House? Yeah. Yeah. And that's how we have that great video of him doing a tomahawk chop, which I have at my disposal at all times. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I don't know. Monday, uh, yeah. Why would you? Yeah, why? Why wait? Okay, why would you attend orientation? With Joe? <laughs> you and here's my fifth one. You give me five that you should attend orientation. Yeah, there you go. There's my point. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, roasted. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Got him. Well, Aqua? thank you, Sam. For <laughs> sorry, Joe will get that. There it is. Well, thank you, Sam, uh, for. For the voicemail, we certainly appreciate it. And, of course, you can always leave us a voicemail on the Chatting Average Hotline. The number is in our Twitter bio, so be sure to check that out. You can find us on Twitter at Average Chatting. Again, uh, we're still looking to get that at Chatting Average username. They won't give it up. We're going to continue the good fight on that. Uh, You can find Bobby on Twitter at B.A. Bobbles. And then, of course, you can find me at HeyCam93. So, uh, again, I want to remind you that today's episode of Chatting Average is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. 
Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social media. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and Twitter and type in at sportsdrink. Spelled just like sports drink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. Bobby, thanks again for coming on the show, man. This was an absolute blast. Was happy to have you back on. Yeah, happy to be here. It was a good time. Uh, you know, hope Joe doesn't kill me. <laughs> no, no, he would he would not do such a thing. Joe is Joe's just a big teddy bear. We all know it. Right. So you talk about a tarp job. He is stingy about his tarp jobs, that's for sure. <laughs> Bobby, thanks again for coming on. For Bobby Anthony, I'm Cam Matthews. This is the Chatting Average Podcast. We'll see y'all next week for a brand new episode of Chatting Average. Love y'all. Bye. has been the Chatting Average Podcast brought to you by Sports Drink. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash Chatting Average Podcast and please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash Chatting Average. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode. <laughs>